that will be the trigger date that they will reassess what that unemployment benefit will be. So although it might take two or three weeks before you get your check, rest assured, it is going to be retroactive to the trigger date which caused you to uh, need to file for unemployment. So again, the system's slow. Again, we're dealing with the government here that's not necessarily set up for this kind of wave of activity. Right. So the patience that everyone to have is that it will catch up to you. You will get your benefits. It's just taking a little bit longer, just them getting checks out to the taxpayers. a regular gym routine. When was the last time you checked on your financial fitness? If you're feeling like you're falling behind, Ed Sedell is here to help with The Retirement Trainer, a podcast about helping you get into better financial shape. Every week, Ed talks about things you need to know to become more financially fit for your future. Learn about things like how much money will you need, financial mistakes other people often make, and how you can avoid them. Plus, details on The Retirement Fitness Plan, a plan Ed personally created to help you get to and through retirement by focusing on five key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan when you visit egsifinancial.com and click on processes. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to The Retirement Trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. It's The Retirement Trainer with Ed Sedell, a podcast about finding ways to help you become financially fit for your future, no matter what shape you're in now. There's a lot of confusion right now with the stimulus, how it works, who qualifies for the benefits, how much the benefit is, and are the benefits taxable? The list goes on and on. It seems to be a moving target. From one news program to another, there's a different answer. I'm Leanne Sedell, and here to help us with all of our questions and hopefully give us some guidance to help us stay in the best financial shape possible, the retirement trainer, Ed Sedell. Hello, Ed. Hey, Leanne. What's going on? Not much. We have a special guest today. We do. Today we have Doug Mayer, who is a CPA and a managing partner of BHM, which is a large regional CPA firm right here in Columbus, Ohio, to help us kind of wade through, uh, you know, all the stuff that we're hearing on TV that seems to change, you know, not just day by day, but minute by minute. Hey, Doug, how you doing? How are you? Thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. So, you know, you guys, so both your boys are home right now and, and everyone's safe and healthy? Everyone's safe and healthy uh, so far. Hopefully we can get them out of the house soon before <laughs> nothing, nothing disastrous happens inside the household. So, yeah, how about your family? Everybody's, everybody's well, I trust. Yeah, everyone's doing good. You know, um, our two younger boys are are going stir crazy. They uh, they just announced yesterday that I guess high school sports, uh, the skills training can can start uh, on Tuesday, the twenty sixth. So they're pretty pumped about that. So yeah, it's it's slowly getting back to normal. So that's that's yeah. good. That's good. <laughs> We have layers at home, that's for sure. Not only do Ed and I get to spend all day together and then go home, but now we have boys who have been locked in the house for too long. So it makes everybody grumpy. I can't even imagine, guys. That's why, we, although most of our, our associates are working from home, 
we have a skeletal crew still at the office, and I am happy to be one of those skeletons. So yeah. uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, just for everyone out there listening right now, so so Doug and I. We have uh, a lot of mutual clients together, and we've worked together over the years. And I, I use him as as a resource because he knows his stuff, and and that's why we have him here, you know, on on the podcast today. And um, I would say probably over the last you know five to six weeks, he has done memo after memo after memo that he has emailed out to folks like myself, as well as, you know, all of our mutual clients giving updates on, on the changes on the, the, the CARES Act, the stimulus, the PPP and everything that we're going to talk about today, which is why, uh, whether he wants to be or not, he has become uh, an expert on this stuff. So uh, uh, not to throw you under the bus like that, Doug, but um, (laughs) I'm just going to, I'm just going to qualify it uh, based (laughs) off of both of your conversations. Uh, this, some of this discussion we're going to have is effective as of uh, the date of our conversation. Gosh knows there's going to oh, be yeah. new legislation passed or something that comes about between now and the end of the day already. So we'll just well, try to stay on top of it. Every day when we get on the news, it seems like they're giving a little bit more depth to what's going on. And so one of the big questions that I think we were looking at was, the stimulus check seems to be based on 2018 or 2019 income. What happens if you don't qualify because you just lost your job now? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, Leanne, the, the stimulus checks that each person is going to get is going to be based off of the 18 and 19 returns. So for those who haven't filed their 19 return, the IRS will be looking at the 18 return. If you had a major fluctuation from 18 to 19, they'll look at the lower of the two. So you're okay there. Let's just say you didn't qualify based off of 18 and 19, your income was too high. And then all of a sudden your income goes dramatically uh, lower. Uh, that credit will still be there. It'll just be claimed as part of the filing of your 2020 tax return. So it's not getting lost. It's just you won't get the advancement for it now because obviously they need something to verify income levels. So that's why it'll still be there when taxpayers file their returns uh, for the 2020 return. All right. And so with the the unemployment benefits, uh, Doug, I mean, there seems to be a lot of confusion. You know, I don't know how this is, you know, affected your clients. I mean, your your practice, your firm is is similar to ours, in which we have both clients that are businesses as well as you know individual clients. And for us, over the last two weeks, you know, we we've had concerns from the the business side, but we've also had quite a few clients that um, have been furloughed over the last couple of weeks, and in some that have been you know, let go. And so the information is confusing with the unemployment benefits. So do you mind going through that and just talking about, you know, what people are eligible for and how that works? Basically what we have found and as we've seen what I think our unemployment numbers right now are over what 30 million people, certainly from the state of Ohio department of jobs and family services, certainly when this wave hit that, that system was not necessarily able to keep up with the demand. The one thing that everyone should be feeling comfortable about is when you do file, and it might take a while for you first to even get online to make your application. Uh, What they have done recently is made a certain day of the week 
correspond with the last name or the first letter of your last name. So A's and B's, I think, start filing on Sundays, and then a certain amount go on Mondays and Tuesdays. Then there's this component that anyone can apply. I will tell you, when we've helped our own clients go through that, that is a laborious process. My Mm -hmm. my advice is if you're going to go apply, apply kind of on goofy hours, maybe wake up a little early or stay up a little bit late to get that application together. But however, no matter how long it takes to get the application in, what they will do is the qualifying date that, that requires you to file for unemployment, that will be the trigger date that they will reassess what that, that unemployment benefit will be. So although it might take two or three weeks before you get your check, rest assured it is going to be retroactive to the trigger date which caused you to uh, need to file for unemployment. So again, the system's slow. Again, we're dealing with the government here that's not necessarily set up for this kind of wave of activity. Right. So the patience that everyone to have is that it will catch up to you. You will get your benefits. It's just taking a little bit longer, both to go through the application process as well as just them getting checks out to, out to the taxpayers. All right. And so, you know, with obviously there's such a huge volume, uh, unfortunately, right now. So what exactly numerically, what what are the the benefits other than because they increased them as part of the the stimulus, the CARES Act, right? Yeah. So each each state has their own computation of what their benefits that they will provide. And and we could go into those details, but it's probably beyond the scope of this. But what the CARES Act has provided was an additional $600 a week to folks through, I believe, July, into July of 2020. So whatever you're getting from the state under normal circumstance, there's an additional $600 that's coming through. So that, that benefit won't be coming from the federal government. It will still be coming through your typical unemployment uh, procedure. It's just that the state is then getting refunded that money from the federal government. So that's how that works. Do they have to apply separately for that? Or once you apply for the, it's just all in the same. It's all in the same. And and the other thing for people to understand, especially if you have clients who are self-employed, right? Don't really have employees. They just have their little schedule C and they're just getting their earnings from that way. Self-employed people are eligible to get this as well. So it doesn't mean that you have to just be an employee. If you're self-employed, you are able to uh, file for those benefits as well. All right. That's good to know. Actually, that was going to be my very next question because I was going to use that to, to segue into the, the business aspect of it. You know, we, we've gotten um, quite a few phone calls um, over the last couple of weeks as well. You know, we, we manage the 401ks for businesses and, and those business owners, a lot of them are our clients as well individually. And, you know, the, some of the concerns that they have with the PPP and you know, that eight-week time limit that they have to, to be able to use those funds and to continue to, to pay those paychecks um, while they're not open, all these different things. There's a lot of concern and, again, confusion. And it, right before we, we started this podcast this morning, I just heard that there's a bill that's going to be proposed next week, you know, right to goes right to your disclosure at the beginning, that uh, now <laughs> it was kind of like ready, fire, aim. Right. Yeah, they they yeah, pushed sure. all the money out, which was needed and important. Now they're going back and requalifying and saying, all right, you know, they're going to fix some things uh, because they understand it. 
businesses just can't meet those. So based on what we know today, you know, how does for businesses, what is the PPP and how does it work? So the PPP uh, program is really, it's short for Paycheck Protection Program. And if you really just take it down to the heart of it, it, it's there to help businesses, small businesses, keep people on the payroll, right? Paycheck Protection Program. Right. Um, There's some commentary that basically rather than having people file for unemployment, uh, the government decided to get some funding to these businesses to allow the people to stay off of the unemployment roll. So really, the real purpose behind the Paycheck Protection Program is to keep your employees employed and to give you money to allow you to do that because of the uncertainty of, of the economic environment. Most people were, as, as the government was, uh, ready, fire, aim, hey, maybe I should be cutting my payroll rolls because of the amount of uncertainty everyone was facing at the time. This act, uh, the CARES Act that came out, right, got an unprecedented amount of funding into the economy and was passed in, in, a, in a time frame that, quite honestly, was just way too fast for the amount of funding that was going out there. So once they got this together, uh, really the, the genesis behind this, this PPP is to help business owners pay for the paychecks of people who you have employed. There's an eight-week limit, right? I mean, as, as the way the law reads right now, or that act, from eight weeks from the time that they actually received the money. So if they received it at the beginning of April, they, they had to have spent that money, or at least 75% of that, uh, on payroll, and then the other 25% on uh, rent, leases, those, those kind of op- more of the operational expenses. Is that right? Well, yes and no. And to qualify for the grant component, the loan forgiveness component, mm-hmm. the measurement period is the eight weeks after you receive the loan. Some clients are receiving the loan and taking it as a loan and not worrying so much about the forgiveness aspect of it. But if we want to focus strictly on the forgiveness component of it, it is that eight-week measurement period from the time you receive the loan from once you get that, it's the eight weeks after it that you're that you're covering for both payroll, like you said, 75%, at a minimum, 75% needs to be going towards payroll costs. And we can talk about that in a bit. And then 25% for uh, qualified mortgage interest, rent, and utilities. But yeah, okay. for the forgiveness component, it is that eight-week period. And I know most people know this, or most business owners. But just in case there there are some out there who are still going through the process and and um, don't know yet. So, what are people eligible for, business owners? Uh, do you mean self-employed people, Ed, or businesses well, of themselves? Businesses. It's uh, yeah. uh, t- two and a half months of last year's average wages. Is that what it is? Correct. Correct. You're taking two and a half uh, months worth of wages with a cap. Uh, you can't, if somebody was making, let's say, a half a million dollars, you can only factor in the first $100,000 of that compensation when you're calculating the, uh, the max. Mm-hmm. But it is two and a half times that, that, monthly, um, that, that monthly spend to get your maximum amount. Now, how about for self-employed, you know, those that are sole proprietors that flow right through on their Schedule C? Schedule C, basically, um, what they're going to do is they're going to take your net profit from your Schedule C. That might be line 31. If I have that right, that means I'm way too much of a tax nerd to know that. I'm hoping that's not necessarily the right number. But the net profit from your Schedule C 
you'll take that number. It will be capped again to to $100,000 annually. You'll take that number, and then if you have any payroll, you'll do that same two and a half times of the payroll uh, for your other employees to calculate what your maximum amount of the loan is. Are there any other emergency loans or anything else out there that's available for, for business owners that they may not know about? Yeah, there's another one through the SBA. Um, it, it, it's called the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. It's commonly known as the EIDL. Uh, when that first came out, there was a $10,000 grant that was available. Unfortunately, that grant has been used, and now that's only available to people who are in the agricultural industry. Mm-hmm. However, there is still a loan available out there uh, through the EIDL, a uh, maximum amount of $2 million. That has no grant component to it. However, a, a note up to $2 million. Uh, I think a maximum uh, term is 30 months with an interest rate of 3.75 for businesses. So there is a loan program out there in addition to PPP. All right. So, I mean, w- with all the businesses that you work with, Doug, I mean, what, what are you seeing out there right now? I mean, are, are you noticing our, um, from your perspective and your clients, you know, are one way or the other, are, are you seeing things, you know, people are getting the, the PPP and they're, they're being able to, to wade through it and having success and, well, limited, if you know what I mean, uh, or is it still a struggle? Yeah, you know, I think what we're finding is it depends upon the industry, right? And you've been around me long enough, and you know, depends is always my most famous uh, answer. But for some some clients, I think they are finding um, it going slow going, but not a complete fall off the table. Certainly folks that are connected to retail, travel, whatnot, that is a, uh, that's, that's a burden that um, I don't know if anyone has necessarily seen the light at the end of the tunnel. Even our clients that are in the restaurant uh, industry, you know, with some of the spacing and whatnot, I mean, everyone's been creative to try to keep mm-hmm. revenue in and to try All to right. keep employees employed. Uh, but again, capacity is, a, is an issue that I think everyone's still trying to figure out. Well, along yeah. that line, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Just if things, as they've opened up now, if people go back to work, how are those benefits? Are, are they taxable? I'm going to unemployment, obviously. I've switched gears and gone back to unemployment just because I wanted sure. to reference people, things getting back to earning an income. How, how are those benefits going to be looked at tax-wise? Yeah, you know what, Leanne, it's a really good question. And whether it's unemployment, which unemployment compensation is taxable, or the PPP forgiveness, there's a component of that that will be taxable as well. There's a lot of legislation right now that's going out there to try to protect the taxability or preserve some tax-free benefits. They haven't been necessarily uh, run through whether it's the state legislature or Congress yet, but there are, as we speak, there's still some taxability to all of these benefits uh, that, again, whether it's our governing body, the AICPA or others, that are trying to get into the ears of the appropriate folks to try to correct those problems. You know, for, for us and, and for at least what we're seeing with a lot of our clients, you know, now that things are finally starting to open up, they're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, but, you know, these are still really uncharted waters um, oh, for sure. and it's continually moving target. 
So, mm-hmm. I mean, what advice would you give, Doug? I mean, you know, when you're meeting with your clients, you know, obviously our our premise, what we talk to our clients about is, and as we're helping people is, you know, you got to have a plan. You know, it's right now, everyone feels out of control. I mean, you can't control that the businesses were shut down, can't control what's going on around you, but you you can control how you act, react within a certain degree, you know, and having a plan in place kind of helps with that. So, you know, with your clients, what are you seeing and what are you doing to, to help your clients kind of wade through this? You know, it's a, it's a great question, Ed, because really, I think you got to go back to just good fundamental business uh, principles, right? Uh, if we have concern about what is happening with our business, uh, you got to look at your expenses accordingly. Now, what happened in the middle of this is a PPP program that provided a grant to keep people on your payroll. Well, in some instance, that might be counterintuitive to what good business principles require. However, right. if you did receive the PPP and you want that forgiven, we got to adhere to the rules of what the PPP is so you're not saddled with a debt burden, although a low interest rate. But I think what we've got to start doing is look beyond the eight weeks and start factoring in what what does my business look like for the rest of the year? Honestly, probably for the next 18 months and really start factoring in how are we going to manage through this, both from a revenue perspective as well as an expense control perspective. And um, I think a lot of people, you know, as this continues to come through, yeah, it's interesting. Almost every day feels like a week anymore because of how fast things change. So we're really trying to stay on top of what's happening legislatively, what's happening economically. You know, those those are important things. The the good news of it all, you know, this was a health crisis that turned us into an economic crisis. The good news is, from what we've heard, there's still a lot of liquidity out there, both in the markets as well as with the banks. So there is still opportunity for expansion. There still is opportunity to help beyond federally subsidized programs that the key is just getting your arms around the business and where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I do, we say this all the time, you know, the, the markets hate bad news, but they, you know, they, they like uncertainty even less. And, yeah. you know, and once we started seeing the the light at the end of the tunnel is, Things started opening up. We saw that really whole lot in, in April. You know, the market started to rebound. And you said it, you know, it's what we saw at the tech bubble and in the housing bubble. Those were systemic institutional failures. This was a biological event and three phases, right? It was the biological event, a virus that caused an emotional event, which was a panic. And now we're seeing phase three, which is the the economic part of it. But I, I do see light at the end of the tunnel. We're starting to see this, you know, especially with some of our, our, our clients going forward. So, you know, I, I think uh, there, there's a lot of positivity out there, but just making sure that, you know, communication is paramount, you know, with, with all of your advisors and, and making sure that you have that plan in place um, is, is key so that that way you know what those next steps are, right? Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. And I was just talking to um, a, a client this morning, and it's interesting. You're becoming more of a, of a coach. And I don't want to say psychiatrist because obviously we're not licensed to do that. But my advice to your clients, to your listeners, is it, it's uncertain times. And if you're the leader of your business, you know, you're trying to provide strength and stability to the people that work for you. 
rely on your advisors outside of your business. You know, you're having sleepless nights. You, you're anxiety. Call up your advisors, whether it's Ed, whether it's your CPA, whether it's your attorney. Get them together and let's work through these problems together. I think that really is uh, some sound advice that we've been following recently because mm-hmm. for some clients, it's going to be more emotional than it is for the advisors. It doesn't mean that the advisors aren't emotionally engaged, but they can help provide some objective points of view as you're going through these uncertain times. Absolutely. And, and I agree. I mean, you have to look at it from a team perspective. You've got to get everybody in the room because everyone's going to be looking at it from a different perspective. Um, and, and it may be that one person that's looking at it completely different that, that may be the key to, to leading you down the right path. Yeah, correct. Correct. And then again, whether it's and there's so much, like you guys said, there's so much knowledge that's going out there. There's so much that changes on a day in and day out basis. I, mean, I almost don't even have time to, to do my real work anymore. I'm too busy watching news shows and staying on video conferences to keep up to it. But to, to rely on your advisors, because there is uncertainty, there is uncertainty with your business. You know, if you even think about how they deferred the tax deadline to July 15th, and then they deferred the quarterly estimates for first and second quarter to July 15th. Some clients are like, okay, what do I need to pay? Well, perhaps what we need to do is just take a step back and again, look at your business globally for the next 12 months and maybe defer paying that quarterly estimate until the third and fourth quarter, if that makes economic sense. So uh, again, to get somebody out there that's understanding those rules that can help apply where where applicable the black and the white and the gray areas to these to these rules uh, to help you navigate you know and, and save cash so Doug that's awesome um, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today so if, if someone has questions how can they get in touch with you yeah sure they can either uh, reach us through our website which is www.bhmcpagroup.com. They can certainly call the office, 614-389-5775, or they could reach me directly on my email. It's doug.mayr at bhmcpagroup.com. Awesome. And again, thanks for coming on the podcast. I'm sure as things continually change as, as they do minute by minute, um, if it's all right with you, we, you know, we'd love to have you back on, on the show and, and kind of go through some of what those changes are. You know, I'd be happy to add in, you know, to help educate as much as we can. And as I was looking over my notes, you'll be happy to know, I don't think I've sent out a uh, an email blast for almost a week now. So <laughs> I'm almost falling asleep on, on my posts. So, but yeah, absolutely. We'll try to keep you informed as things develop for sure. Awesome. Great discussion. I really appreciate your time, Doug. It's always good to all come together and have these discussions that are going to give some insight to all of our clients. If you are looking for Ed's help, uh, you can reach us at info at egsifinancial.com. You can go to our website at www.egsifinancial.com or give us a call at 614-526- Four one one eight. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Thanks Leanne. Leanne. You guys have a good weekend. All right, you, you too. <laughs> you tested
tested your fitness level, not your workout routine. I'm talking about your financial endurance because if saving to a 401k is the extent of your effort, it is time for you to start shaping up. And Ed Sedell is here to help you do that with the Retirement Trainer. It's his podcast to help you examine your financial stamina and learn the questions you should be asking and areas to focus on to help you get to that place you've been working so hard for, a happy, comfortable retirement. And it's not as hard as some might have made you believe. Ed's broken it down into five simple steps. It's the retirement fitness plan, which he personally created to help clarify key areas of your financial life. Learn more about the retirement fitness plan at egsifinancial.com. Then subscribe, follow, and listen to the retirement trainer on Apple Podcasts, your iHeart app, or whichever podcast platform you prefer. Investment advisory services offered through EGSI Investment Management, DBA EGSI Financial Group, a registered investment advisor. Insurance and annuities offered through EGSI Financial Services, Inc., Ohio license number 102. 2 0 6 1 9 